Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Michael Amade Show, episode 417, Anxiety at Night and What to Do About It. So this morning, I figured I would talk about something that I think a vast majority of people deal with in some way, shape, or form, but somehow it also doesn't get talked about, especially if you're a man, I think, um, very commonly. Of course, now it's become more and more common for people to discuss anxiety, and that's a good thing. Um, But I think for a lot of times with with men, or at least the, the kind of men that maybe have somewhat of the type A disposition that I do, it's something you don't really want to get into. But the idea of uh, anxiety in life being um, an important thing. I'll be the first to say, I do not believe that I have an anxiety disorder. I'm not on uh, any medication. I've never been diagnosed. I've never even felt like I needed to be diagnosed with it. Although I do know and love some people who are. Um, it's just not something that I, at this time, feel that I deal with. With the exception of really one time. And that's when I wake up in the early morning, and I do almost all the time. So when I wake up in the early morning, one of the first things I notice usually, and this isn't every night, but it happens frequently, that my mind is vivid and alive with things to be concerned about. I wake up and I have all kinds of concerns. Now, I've known, I know enough about myself now that I'm able to kind of ask myself the question, wait, what am I actually worried about? When I ask that question, it's funny because um, <clears throat> in, the, in the face of actual questioning, that kind of dissipates the entire thing. I realize, oh, it's really nothing. I'm just going to let it go. So that's where I can say I don't believe I have a disorder. But it turns out into looking into it that many, many, many people wake up to some sense of anxiety in the morning um, or they also uh, are woken up in the middle of the night with kind of an anxiety attack. So I wanted to address that. It's called a nocturnal panic attack. Um, And there's a few reasons behind why we think it happens. And there's a few time-tested ways that we can handle it that are non-medication based that I feel might be valuable. So here we go. This is about nocturnal panic attacks. Firstly, before I get into this, I just want to do the quick, you know, kind of legal disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. So if you um, are interested in looking into things further, please talk to someone who truly has spent the time in school, who knows what they're talking about. My meandering thoughts here are not the thoughts of an expert. They're just my thoughts, my opinions. So take them as you will, but then do your own homework, do your own investigations and talk to a professional for the love of God. So firstly, let's look at what causes this. Uh, It's interesting. There's, there's, it appears to be at first a lot of conflicting information, but really it isn't. It's just presented in different ways out there. So let's start with this. The, uh, the general consensus is, is that it's still just an anxiety-based thing. It's something that we have inside of us all the time, except that stress seems to be at its highest or its most, we're making us the most vulnerable between about 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. That's, that's, we can tell that because of cortisol levels. When someone's stressed out, will generally be the highest in the cycle of the day around that time. So for those of you who don't know, cortisol is a primary stress response hormone produced by the adrenal glands. 
it's kind of energizing, but it also kind of has us anxious. And, and when, we, when we're coming from that stress-induced place, especially when we're waking up and we haven't been consciously regulating our own mood, it, uh, it can kind of really take control. The other thing to consider is that we haven't had food for a while, which also happens to trigger that kind of anxiety or the, the joking thing where we call it hangry, right? But, um, but when we're unguarded and we're vulnerable and we're sleeping, we then can um, you know, start to have that issue ourselves. Uh, where we start to feel more and more anxious, whether we're awake or not. So say if we go to bed at, say, 10.30 and it's 4.30 in the morning, that's six hours where we haven't had any water, any food. And it is possible that we'll start to kind of have that anxious response. So when cortisol levels are high, we might find ourselves waking up. We might find it, you know ourselves kind of um, with this, this sense of anxiety or insomnia. Um, now, usually, there's this thing that happens when uh, a cortisol surge kind of happens right around that, that early time of the morning where we wake up and we will have these uh, kind of increased senses, but it's, beca- it's actually because the cortisol surges up and then actually increases our anxiety as well. This is not, I don't want to say this is um, abnormal. It's not normal for our bodies, but it is very, very common in humans. So if you're dealing with these kinds of things, you're not alone. A lot of this also probably has to do with the way that us humans process the things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, I'm not someone who's going to say, you know, our lives are so stressful or so much more stressful than the lives of someone who's maybe being chased by a pack of, you know, wild predators. (laughs) But I will say that, you know, we do have stressful lives. And and when I say stress, I don't necessarily mean negative stress as well. Um, Even though that does exist, there is, this is kind of this the cultural norm now is to go around and consistently moving and consistently making things happen, which even if it's positive, is a form of stress. And there are these two terms that I kind of use quite a bit. So there's there's distress, which is a negative kind of stress, and then there's eustress, which is something that is positive and is helping us grow, and it's stress we place on ourselves or is placed on us to help us get better. But either one of those release cortisol as part of the general uh, adaption you know, of into your body. So the thing is, is as we're going around in our lives, we have you stress, we have distress, we're increasing cortisol levels in our bodies anyway. And this is pretty common. The seize the day kind of idea uh, is also really um, kind of linked with the idea of arousal to action by a tangible goal. And it's hard for us to let go of that when it goes to sleep. So this is all something that, uh, you know, that does exist. Um, So I think we've already said that. So now let's talk about what people recommend you can do to try to head this off. Firstly, if you find yourself waking up and you're trying to figure out what to do, here's a few things to consider. You don't want to turn on the gotta take action part of your brain. You don't need to turn on the seize the day part of the brain. A lot of times, just asking yourself, what am I worried about? What am I concerned about? And and actually taking the time to articulate it helps because you realize it's going to be the same in the morning or maybe this isn't even really a thing or I don't even know why. But there's a few other things we can try too. One, let me tell you what not to do. Don't grab your phone. Don't turn on the TV. Don't start reading. 
don't try to fall right back to sleep like that. I think one of the best things you can do, and a lot of experts agree, is to get up, fully get awake, um, drink some water, you know, check on the dog, check on the cat, whatever. Um, do a few ordinary things to help yourself kind of wake up. Just kind of allow yourself to calm down. And then just kind of go back into breathing, go back into your breath, let it kind of calm down. Um, and kind of just start to downshift again, allowing yourself no judgment. I mean, just don't worry about if you're getting back to sleep necessarily or not. And then when you're ready, then go back to bed. And But if you continue to feel kind of awake, even after it's uh, it's over, then do something really boring. I mean, <laughs> clean the bathroom. I don't know. But pick, pick something that's not going to you know make everybody else in your house angry. But... Just do something that's not going to motivate you to really stay awake. Don't don't watch a movie unless you want to stay up and, and do it. Just do something very mundane so you can eventually downshift and go back to sleep. We have to realize that sleep is not something we do. Sleep is something that we allow. And a lot of times when we're in that panicky state, there's just no way it's going to happen until we've completely shifted our physiology and our mentality. And lastly, what can we do to stop having this kind of problem? Well, experts kind of agree on a few things. Number one, uh, regular physical activity, exercising, uh, some cardiovascular stuff, weight training, whatever, um, coupled with a good diet really um, is, is a big piece. Strangely, that shows up in every list of everything, physical, mental, emotional, about ways to handle it. So maybe that's something we should all start paying attention to, don't you think? Number two, they say that we should take some time to connect socially with other people. It does our heart well, and uh, it, you know, especially if that's around laughter and fun and enjoyment, that will drop our cortisol levels. That'll drop our levels of stress. Those are big pieces also. Another thing they say is music. Spending time with music you love really does help drop our stress um, levels and our, our kind of ability to be lost in our own concerns. If it connects us to something higher, it connects us to something bigger, just as community does as well. And the other one I will say is this meditation, um, really just getting, allowing your mind to center itself, to not run so wild, to understand what's actually going inside, going on inside of your brain is a very important thing because I think a lot of times with anxiety it's easy for us to keep continue ramping and we never really ask the question what's going on we're just letting ourselves be pulled around and meditation is something that's very very valuable so I think those things are all when you really think about it all of those things that are recommended are things that kind of pull you out of your own internal monologue physical activity. Yeah, you might be thinking to yourself, but you're also moving and that's changing your physical state. It's making you focus on an action. When you're listening to music, if you allow yourself to be taken away by that music, you're taken somewhere else. When you're with a group of people and you're laughing and you're having fun and you're not taking yourself so seriously, that suddenly pulls you out of yourself and now you're part of a group and now you're interacting and it's not all about your thoughts and the things in your head. I'm not saying you're selfish. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you get stuck inside of your head and the thoughts that are going there. And then lastly, meditation allows you to go deep inside, but also to learn to pull apart the side of you that's consistently worrying and stressed out, and then allowing you 
yourself, the depths of you, to remain. All right, everyone, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope this wasn't just a bunch of things you'd already heard before. I did a bit of research here, and I thought it might be useful. Useful. I just said useful. I have no idea why. All right, it's going to be a long day. If you want to send a message to me, you can. MikeLamaday.com has put it in the contact form. That's a good way to reach me. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, lyrics, or short fiction, consider listening to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But for this podcast, the next episode will be tomorrow. So until then, keep living authentically and keep living creatively.